Hi, welcome to Rewatch This, where we have first takes, hot takes, and the occasional double take. I'm Jason. And I'm Addie. What exactly is Rewatch This? Well, have you ever watched something amazing, but you couldn't talk about it with anyone because none of your friends have watched it yet? So then you keep pressuring them until they cave? Which is how we ended up here. When I found out you've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender, I knew I had to do something about it, and I did. How does it feel to make it to the end? Like, well, of this book. Oh my god. What a journey so far. I can't believe that X amount of time ago, you had no idea about anything about the show and now here you are. Yeah, 20 episodes in. It's crazy to think that we've made it to the end. I feel like we've been talking about doing this for a little while mm -hmm. and we finally did. Yeah, I know. After the first episode that we recorded, I was like, oh my God, we're doing this. Episode one Whoa. down. Yeah. And then now, 10th episode of the podcast. Right. This is pretty crazy. It is crazy. I'd like to say to anyone listening that any support that you could give as in like sharing this with your friends or talking about it even would be really appreciated for this kind of unbelievable, well, to Addie and I, thing that we're doing. Yeah, or just leave us a review or just a star rating really helps us be seen by other possible listeners. And we record this and work on this on our own free time. Jason and I both have our day jobs. And after that, we would hop on and watch the episodes, take our notes, make all the preparation for recording, and then hopefully this brought some fun into your lives, whether it is your first time watching the series or you're watching it again. Like me. Jason and I really enjoyed it and we hope that you enjoyed it too. Before we talk about our thoughts, we're going to summarize the episodes that we watched. Which means there will be spoilers. So unless you like spoilers, this is your final warning. Chapter 19, The Siege of the North, Part 1. <laughs> Addy, care to bring us in this episode in closer detail? So, Katara kicks ass as the best student Master Paku has ever had, surpassing even Aang's raw talent. Meanwhile, Sokka takes Princess Yue on a flight with Appa. Mmm, romantic. Mm -hmm. They discover suit mixed with the falling snow, a sign of the Fire Nation. Not so romantic. <gasps> After Princess Yue tells Sokka that they must stop seeing each other, he volunteers as a warrior on the front lines and helps the North prepare for their enemy, Admiral Zhao. The Fire Nation strikes, launching huge fireballs, breaking the ice wall, protecting the northern water tribe. Aang swiftly takes care of one ship on his own. However, he sees that there are many, many more left. The moon rises and the Fire Nation halts their attack, knowing that waterbenders draw their power from the moon. However, Zhao says he is working on a solution to that problem. After a long day, Aang is so exhausted, saying that there are too many ships, he decides that if he speaks with the ocean and moon spirit, they might grant him the knowledge to defeat Zhao and his army. Princess Yue escorts Aang and Katara to the most spiritual place in the North Pole, the Spirit Oasis. This hidden alcove has a small patch of grass and is surprisingly warm. In the center is a pool with two koi fish swimming in a circle. Once settled, Aang begins to meditate into the spirit world. At the same time, Zuko swims underneath the ice in order to infiltrate the northern water tribe. Sokka is kicked off the mission because he beats up Han. Instead, he is tasked 
to personally guard Yue. Zuko finds Aang, Katara, and Yue at the oasis. He and Katara fight, Katara showing him and us what she's capable of now. She overpowers Zuko. However, the sun rises and as a firebender, Zuko now has the advantage. He manages to win against Katara, knocking her out. When Katara wakes, Aang, who is still in the spirit world, is gone, being carried away by Zuko. Chapter 20, The Siege of the North, Part 2. <gasps> Jason, take us home. Well, with Appa's help, Sokka, Katara, and Yue search for Aang in a blizzard. Zuko, who has captured Aang, takes shelter in a small cave. Aang ventures in the spirit world, searching for the ocean and moon spirit. With the help of Avatar Roku, he looks for Ko, the face stealer, in hopes for more information. When they meet, Aang must not show any emotion or Ko will steal his face. After some back and forth, Ko tells Aang that the ocean and moon spirit's mortal form are the koi fish in the pond. Mm. Ko is a large centipede-like creature who is able to blink different faces on and off, and the ocean and moon spirit are known as Twi and La. The koi fish are black with a white spot and white with a black spot, similar to the yin and yang symbol. Mm. While this is happening, the Fire Nation continue their invasion. Zhao tells Iroh that he had learned the identity of the ocean and moon spirit in the past and intends to destroy them. Mm. With Heibai's help, Aang is able to return to his body. Sokka, Katara, and Yue are able to find him and rescue him. Katara knocks Zuko out, but Aang convinces them to take his body along instead of leaving him for dead in the blizzard. Dang it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Zhao manages to find the koi pond and grabs the moon spirit from the water. And when he does, the moon turns bright red and waterbender's abilities seem to disappear. As everything is painted red, Princess Yue starts to feel faint, explaining that the moon spirit actually restored her life as a baby. Once they arrive back at the spirit oasis, Aang pleads with Zhao not to do anything to the spirit and that it'll throw the whole world off balance. Iroh is there and also threatens Zhao for the same reason. Zhao reluctantly releases the spirit back into the water. However, in a split-second decision, Zhao strikes fire at the release koi, killing the moon spirit Tui. The world loses its color and everything is black and white. Iroh lunges at Zhao with a fury of firebending, but Zhao escapes. Princess Yue cries that it's all over. Aang disagrees. Aang begins to glow and walks to the center of the koi pond. The ocean spirit, La, circles him. He sinks down into the water and emerges in the center of a gigantic blue spirit creature. The giant creature begins to attack the firebenders, and at the same time, Zuko confronts Zhao in a duel. Back at the spirit oasis, Princess Yue sacrifices herself and becomes a new moon spirit. She kisses Sokka one last time before disappearing, then color returns to the world. Once the moon spirit has been restored, Aang and La stop their attack on the Fire Nation. But before La returns, he grabs Zhao and drags him down into the water. We end with Team Avatar looking solemnly at the horizon having saved the Northern Water Tribe and the Ocean of Moon Spirits. Nice. Whew. So much has happened those two episodes. Let's just move forward. I want to know what your thoughts on uh, the story so far. The season finale was epic. It had everything. <gasps> Action, Ooh. romance, horror, tragedy. I am loving the involvement of the spirits in this world and the mysterious ways that they work. And obviously my favorite part is just seeing Katara being her Obviously. badass self and we'll talk a lot about her but <laughs> yeah I think that's I just want to like start talking about it well let's start talking about it let's start from the top and let's start light uh how did you feel when you saw Katara kick ass you know like she's always meant to well I always knew that she was going to be fucking amazing all she really needed was a good teacher because she already had the basic skills 
she had the drive, the attitude to master waterbending. Thankfully, Master Paku finally started teaching her. I don't know how much time has passed, but it doesn't seem too much. And she has already become the best student. I'm just really proud and happy about her journey. I mean, book one pretty much was for Katara in a way because it started with Aang offering to take her to the North Pole to learn waterbending. And she did. So like I would say mission accomplished for this whole season. Definitely. How do you feel about Master Paku's new treatment of Katara though? Do you think he deserves our forgiveness after the shit we gave him in the last episode? I think forgive is a strong word. (laughs) I'll tolerate him. I love the fact that he's changed his mind and is willing to teach Katara. I hope he is able to do that moving forward to teach other young women who are wanting to be warriors and not just learn healing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess it leads to be seen if he can keep it up. But for now, I think he's taking a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. and I have to give him points for that. Meanwhile, Sokka and Yue were on a not so, so romantic ride on Appa. But started out romantic. Yeah. And then not so romantic because as they were flying in the sky, they started noticing soot fall. How did you feel seeing that? Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I felt like it was such a smart way to convey visually that something evil and impure was coming their way. Mm -hmm. The black soot kind of like dirtying the purity of the white snow that's on the grounds, the air, even the water was getting polluted by the ship's oils and exhausts. And yeah, it was just like bad vibes all around. After Yue and Sokka part ways for what seems to be the final time, Sokka volunteers as a warrior in the front lines. And soon after, the Fire Nation invasion begins. Well, I don't know about you. But I thought it was like really intense. I don't remember it being so intense. I think my stupid 12-year-old brain probably wasn't comprehending everything correctly. (laughs) (laughs) And so when they were launching fireballs and like breaking down protective barriers, it felt really hopeless. They have range and waterbenders, you know, have to go out on ships. And this is like, this feels really thought out on the Fire Nation's side. What did you think of the invasion? It was brutal. They broke down a lot of the walls and barriers from afar where the waterbenders cannot attack them by launching huge fireballs. And they knew about the moon and how it makes the waterbenders stronger. So they stopped advancing at night. They, like you said, were very prepared and they also heavily outnumbered the waterbenders. So once they were able to land, they just stormed the city with their tanks and everything and yeah it's a pretty solid battle plan if i have to give them the credit while this is all happening how do you feel about ang's determination to defend the city he was able to take down some ships did you have any favorite moments i love seeing ang like determined he has like a fire <laughs> lit under his ass mm-hmm. There was a line in there that he said, I wasn't there for my people, but this time is going to be different. And that made me so sad, but also like, you know, it got my adrenaline rushing, right? Mm -hmm. This is the resolve that we want to see from our avatar. And, you know, when Aang went and took down the ship, there was a lot of fun moments. I think my favorite moment was when he kicked the catapult and then the catapult kind of destroyed another catapult (laughs) by like, by, by ripping it out of the boat. Very, very clever. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But then all of that gets upended when he flies up and sees like, I don't know, like 40 ships 
And then he's just like, oh my God. Yeah, there's just no way that he would be able to take out all the ships on Earth's own. Yeah, no way. As the battle goes on, Zuko prepares to infiltrate the city on his own. And there was yeah. a very sweet moment shared between him and his uncle. What did you think about that? I think especially on a rewatch, the scene fucking sucks because it pulled on my heartstrings way too much. Mm. I straight don't remember this scene. I can, I can honestly say that I do not remember. It was so touching. Iroh got very vulnerable and he learned that he lost his son and Zuko acknowledges that he doesn't brush it away. That alone was so meaningful. This is mutual love happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is one of the first truly tender moments between the two of them. Yeah. And I thought it was very cute the way they ended the scene where Iroh was telling him, like, make sure you have a jacket on to remember your breath of fire. Remember this mm -hmm. and that. And I'm like, I remember hearing those things, except the breath of fire thing, you know. <laughs> Did you have anything to say about that real quick? No, oh, I am just now really intrigued about what happened to Iroh and his son. Mm. Yeah, very curious to learn a little bit more about that. Maybe we will. Zuko leaves the ship and has this elaborate infiltration scene where he like follows these seals and goes underwater and ice and stuff like that. What did you think of his... Uh, kind of determination. I think it's one of those times that I have to give Zuko credit for being extremely smart and observant. Yeah. So for example, he followed the, I called them turtle seals down. You're right. So Zuko spots them and they're diving into this hole in the ice and he thinks to himself, well, they're probably going somewhere that they can also resurface, which means he can follow them and find a path inside. He is pretty brave to be jumping into the icy water and getting possibly trapped under the ice. Good thing he can firebend himself to warm up or melt mm -hmm. through the ice, which he actually had to do later on. So as that's happening, Princess Yue takes Aang and Katara to the spirit oasis, the most spiritual place in the North Pole. When we first walk in and you see the scenery, what did you think of it? And what did you think of the koi fish there? I thought it was really beautiful, especially amongst the icy environment that's on the outside. I wonder how it ended up in there in the first place. I forget if they talk about that in the episode. I feel like it was probably always there mm. because it's so warm and spiritual. I guess the ice just kind of froze around it. Well, if you wanted a place to connect spiritually, this would be it. Yes. What did you think of Aang traveling to the spirit world as he was there? I thought that for sure the koi fish had something to do with it. Didn't know that they were the spirits yeah. until later. I first thought they were just like a hypnosis device that was helping Aang get into the spirit world because he literally saw the yin and yang symbol as the two fish swam in circles. In my notes, it just kind of said, cool yin-yang koi. <laughs> <laughs> so when Aang gets into the spirit world, it's actually quite scary. It's like a very desecrated looking yeah. forest slash swamp. And then he encounters this guy who has monkey-like features. Um, he's a very strange guy, but he wanted Aang to leave him alone. And then Roku shows up and was able to give Aang some advice. Mm-hmm. Advice finding a certain someone. But first, before that, Zuko manages to find the spirit oasis. I don't know how. He just does. He's a smart guy. 
and he has to fight Katara, who is defending Aang, meditating. His spirit is gone in the spirit world, and his body is kind of just left there. She and Zuko fight, and I was wondering, in this quick battle, how do you feel about it? And what did you think when the tables kind of turned, when the sun started to rise? Mm, yes. In the beginning of this episode, she wasn't fighting an enemy. So this is kind of the first time we see her going yeah. real, really, really hard. So I imagine she was holding back a bit on her classmates. Sparring partner, But yeah. here, she was protecting Aang with all that she's got. Zuko's like taunting at her and she's not letting him get to her. Mm -hmm. Is it weird that I ship them again? <laughs> <laughs> I just love a good enemy turned lover story. It's I don't me. think I don't I don't think it's that weird. Anyway, she and Zuko were almost evenly matched with both taking hits at times. And I was like at the edge of my seat watching it. I was sure that Zuko was going to best her because he just has more years of training than she did, but she has the moon on her side. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's the table turn you're talking about. The sun rises and Zuko eventually does knock her out. It was a really fantastic battle. We got to see yeah. both of them being very creative with their fire and water bending. And I think they'll probably have a rematch again someday. Maybe next time more epic and Katara Maybe. will win. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I love it when two kind of opposing elements fight. It was beautiful. I love the choreography. It was really creative. And I think my favorite moment was near the beginning of the fight when Katara kind of trapped Zuko in a sphere of water and then froze the sphere. And then Zuko burst out and be like, oh, you found a master. I see. Yeah, that's mm, probably my favorite part. Yes. Loved that little trick. Back in the spirit world, Aang has to go meet Ko face dealer who is um a spirit so old that he remembers the moon and ocean spirit crossing over to the mortal world mm. avatar roku warns ang though that he must not show any emotion otherwise his face will be stolen so i want to ask you did ko the face dealer live up to his name and reputation and when we finally saw him what did you think oh so oh. just <laughs> The name itself gave me the heebie-jeebies. Making mm -hmm. him into a centipede was the thing of fucking nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and just like Aang going into his little cave was, yeah, high anxiety. Uh, we knew that Aang was being watched and followed. So finally, Aang comes face to face with Ko. And what creeped me out the most was realizing that... Every time he changes the face, it's a face that he has stolen. And one of the faces was from the monkey that was outside the cave. Yeah. Ooh. And I'm just like, that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that it kind of paid off because Aang had a little scare before entering the cave when the yeah. monkey turned around and there was mm. no face. And then we get to see it. Onko, very, that was a great pair. very creepy. Very. As much as he's terrifying, I do want to see him in action someday. <laughs> I want to see him right? take a face. I also really want to know his story. Like, why does he do this? Was he a benevolent spirit and then turned toxic, kind of like Hebai? I don't know. So hopefully answers coming up in book two. But <laughs> freaking Kudos to Aang for keeping his face straight. He almost yep. didn't at the end. 
I would have lost my face for sure. And just like the whole centipede body alone, I would have lost it. What about you? Do you remember being terrified of Ko when you were first watching it? What about watching it now this time? And would you have kept your composure like Aang did? I'm just going to answer that second part first real quick because it's easy. Fuck no. I would have lost my face so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Glad I'm not alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Aang is insane for having survived that Mm -hmm. with a face. So Ko is actually something that I, that is like deeply ingrained in my memory. He is super, super memorable and super, super interesting. I remember when I first saw him as a kid, I was just like, what the fuck is this? This guy is weird and creepy and weirdly so cool. Mm -hmm. I had the same questions as you. I think they did a great, great job at setting up this kind of spooky villain person. Mm-hmm. It just left me wanting more. I was so interested in this guy. Um, adult me actually finds him creepier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the centipede body, one thing. And I guess something I didn't remember was that when he changes faces, his kind of like outer centipede bits blink. I didn't I didn't notice that until you mentioned. Yeah, earlier. it's disgusting. I was like, oh, my God, that's so unsettling. And just like some of the dialogue choices that he made were just like, oh, this is so creepy. Like which ones? I was like, oh, it's been centuries since I've stolen a child's face. This is creepy, dude. Oh, yeah. But again, it's just like this guy is so old. He's lived through many avatars. He's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we meet again, avatar. He's like, you know me? I've known a past you. It's just all so cool. All very, very interesting. I love it. Yeah, he mentioned that one of the avatars wanted to kill him because he stole someone's face that he loved. And I really want to know the story. (gasps) Super creepy. Very creepy. After Aang gets the information he needs from Ko, he leaves and with the help of Heibai, returns back to his body. He finds himself in a cave with Zuko and manages to escape, at least alerting Sokka, Katara, and Yue where he is. In a short rematch, Katara kicks Zuko's ass <laughs> and knocks him out. Before they fly away, though, Aang says that we have to we have to save Zuko from the blizzard. What do you think? I personally don't want his death on my hands, so I'd probably take him. Probably, but I'd maybe tie a better knot. Hmm. I'm not surprised that Aang decided to save Zuko. It's a very Aang thing to do. I would not have. like this guy has been only causing trouble except for the one time that he saved Aang but only because he wanted Aang for himself as a character in the show I wouldn't have had the insight to his troubled past and the reason why he's after Aang so uh, I would have left him for sure you know yeah freaking air nomads heart of gold anyway after that unbeknownst to the gang flying back to the spirit oasis Zhao gets a hold of the moon spirit and puts it in a bag. How fucking disrespectful. The sky is then painted red and Princess Yue feels faint. Uh, she explains that the moon spirit actually restored her life as a child. What do you think of her backstory? Ooh, uh, I was really happy that we got an explanation for her hair. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, 
slightly annoying to me because I thought they made her hair white because she's the princess and they had to design her mm. to have like a special hair color. So <laughs> I'm glad that there's an actual story behind it. I should have had more faith in the creators. I am a little bit upset that I didn't connect her name as Moon in Chinese sooner. Hmm. I was actually going to put that in the trivia last episode. <laughs> I think the reason why I didn't connect it sooner is because they say her name differently. So the way they were saying it in this show was Yue and the name is spelled Y-U-E, which is accurate pinging for Mandarin. But the way that you would say it in Mandarin is Yue. I don't yeah. know if you can tell if that's a different way of saying it, but that's why I didn't make the connection sooner. Probably that was the point, And I'm half glad that I didn't get it until this story was told. Oh, really? Just, I guess the effect was a lot greater as the story was being told? I think so. After she tells the story, the gang arrives back at the Spirit Oasis and confronts Zhao and pleads with them, like, don't do anything to the moon spirit. And somehow Ira was there too. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like pleading, Iroh straight threatens Zhao. Whatever you do to that spirit, I will do to you tenfold. And he like strikes a firebending pose, mm -hmm. ready to attack. And I don't remember him being so angry or showing this much fury. Yeah, I want to know what happened to Iroh in the past that has really got him spooked about the spirit world and not messing with them. We did get a little thing earlier this episode with Zhao saying, I've heard you've traveled into the spirit world to Iroh. Yeah, yeah. And it reminded me of when Iroh saw or sensed mm -hmm. something when Aang flew over him one time as a spirit. Yeah. I just, I just want to know what's up. Like he's <laughs> got layers know? and I want to yeah. peel them. <laughs> <laughs> so after that threat, Zhao caves and puts the moon spirit back into the water Unfortunately, he follows his gut, I guess, and strikes down the moon spirit, killing the koi fish. Then the entire world loses its color and turns black and white. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you now, since this color palette change has happened, I guess, like three times now. What do you think <laughs> about the choices the show made in changing the environment like that? Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about the red. I thought it was gorgeous. It was unexpected. Again, a super clever way of visually showing that something bad is happening. And red is often the color of warning and danger. That was when Zhao had the moon spirit in the bag. It was pretty amazing to see red painted over everything. And as the red reached the waterbenders, they all lost their powers. So kind of just saw it happen in a wave. And red is also the color of the Fire Nation. So in that yeah. time, the Fire yeah. Nation army strengthened and had the advantage. Did you have something to add to the red? No, I think you pretty much chimed in to what I was going to say. I could segue into the black and white, though, because mm -hmm. I thought that, oh, red and everything looks like really bad. You know, when the whole screen is painted red, it's just like, oh, my God, <laughs> this how bad can this get? We escalate it, killing the moon spirit, and then the world loses its color entirely. And somehow this is way worse mm -hmm. from having like one color to no color. It's just, yeah, it, everything just looks so dire. 
Yeah, like a world without color feels cold and dead. And that was the state of the moon spirit until it was resurrected. I think even as a young child watching this, they don't have to really think so deeply about the meaning of colors or anything like that, but they would get it. They understand that this color palette would bring a feeling of dread, hopelessness, and just some bad shit happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It really shows how important spirits are, especially the moon spirit, I suppose. Iroh and Aang said like the whole world was thrown off balance when the moon spirit is killed. And like I said earlier, everything feels dire and hopeless. And Princess Yue says like, it's over, it's all over. But Aang starts to glow and he says it's not over. And he walks into the middle of the pool. And I want to ask you to describe your feelings as this is happening and what your thoughts were. Honestly, I didn't know that it was the ocean spirit until I read the summary wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that Aang was taken over by the waterbender avatar spirit and turned into a Godzilla Koi monster because he was so mad. Fun fact, internally, they nicknamed this Koizilla. So we can call it Koizilla from now on. Oh, I was right then. Yeah, you're right. Totally. I did not look that up. If you did, you might have seen things that you probably would have regret. I admit I did laugh at the koi form. I couldn't take it seriously, but boy, did it do some damage. I don't know. Did the koizilla work for you? What other form would you have imagined it to be? When I was a kid, I had no fucking clue what was going on. I was just like, okay, this Koizilla thing seems to be kicking ass. I'm with it. (laughs) Um, But now as an adult, I see that Aang has made a connection with the other Koi fish, which happens to be the ocean spirit. Yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah. So trust me, I didn't get that the first time either, but totally connected with me this time. And I'm like, oh, this works. And it actually adds like a weird sadness for me Mm -hmm. because like the show has told us the ocean and moon spirit, we know they've internally been circling each other without its partner, the ocean spirit. It's probably like griefing in mourning. Mm. And he was probably like acting up. Yeah, thrown off balance. Yeah. So all of this was spinning in my head and I was just like, this is kind of sad to see the spirit having to do this. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Heibai when the forest was destroyed. It's, I feel oh, yeah. it's real similarly. I feel like you're probably right on that. If the moon spirit... If it never got resurrected, then the ocean spirit might have stayed in this form. Fun fact, the names of the moon and ocean spirit are also in Mandarin. So Tui is push in Mandarin, and so is La, which is to pull. Mm. I guess I'm curious of why they didn't actually name it moon or ocean in Chinese. If I were to guess, it would probably be because waterbenders push and pull. I think they probably took inspiration from that. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, as Koizilla was attacking the Fire Nation and not the water tribe who was bowing, I realized at this point, this is probably some like religious experience for some <laughs> waterbenders. Zuko finds Zhao and attacks him and they duel again. I don't know. I love this second duel that they have. I mm. love that it's not like their Agni Kai. The Agni Kai was like flat and this had like different levels. They were jumping from roofs to bridges and stuff like that. And I thought it was really engaging. 
and really fun. Well, not for them. <laughs> I want to know what you think <laughs> about their duel. Oh, I really, really wanted Zuko to get Zhao this time because he had it coming. Yeah, uh, definitely. He was bested by Zuko and then turned around and almost struck him. Bad, bad sportsmanship. And then he tried to get Zuko killed. Yeah, it's just when are you going to die? I definitely think Zuko was shooting to kill here. Yes. Uh, well, unfortunately, Zuko does not get to do the killing here. But I am just happy that Zhao is dragged into the water by Koizilla. And Zuko tries to save him. Being Zhao, though, he's way too prideful and refuses to be rescued. Probably yeah. because he knows that he wouldn't be able to return home without facing extreme shame. And he'd rather die. <laughs> I This was quite sad. Zuko reached out and I feel like his personality underneath the scar kind of came out. You know, he's trying to do good and trying yeah. to save lives. And in return, he got back like a shunned response. This is really sad. Yeah, I feel like there was some disappointment in Zhao's eyes, almost like yeah. he saw Zuko as a weak person for wanting to help him. I, I loved that he tried to save him. And I know what a twist. He was probably just as confused by his own actions. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe Aang rubbed off on him. These little cracks showing up in his character. And I think his true self is going to come out someday. I sure hope so. Mm -hmm. But just before that, the moon has to be restored. And in order to do that, Princess Yue has to sacrifice herself. I was wondering what you think of her sacrifice. Oh, I think it was really well set up with her backstory. It's kind of sad because basically she was raised to be sacrificed. Yeah. Like she was saved as a child mm -hmm. with a price to be paid later. So that's kind of fucked up. But thank goodness that happened and puts the moon back in place. I thought that this was a way to solve the problem of Sokka as well. Of, <laughs> what does uh, that mean? Like, just if she had survived, right? Sokka has to continue with the adventure. So just like leaving her to be married to Han, which straight up dies in this episode. <laughs> we never hear from Han again. <laughs> no, he's, he's dead. <laughs> so story-wise, I think that works out. Kind of like Sokka's, mm -hmm. you know, freed of that storyline. And she really did her duty as a princess of the tribe and is going to watch over everyone from above. Yeah. I like how she's now added to the list of moon goddesses. Always great to know the creators are pulling from real myths and legends. Yeah. And her story does feel like a myth to be passed down generations and generations. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and it's cool that we got to see that as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, after the Fire Nation retreats and everyone gathers up again, Katara is talking to Paku and he names her a waterbending master. Do you think that she's deserving of that title? Hell yeah. You see how she handled Zuko twice. I mean, I feel like we haven't even seen the full extent of her abilities yet. And I feel like you can just do so much more with waterbending now than we previously thought. And I'm pretty excited for her. Sifu Katara. Master Katara. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of her. 
Yeah, she she earned it. I mean, she put in the work, unlike Aang, who has raw talent. And <laughs> I think that's goes to show what hard work can do for you. Yeah, starting all the way from episode one. After that, we end the episode with Aang, Sokka, and Katara looking over the horizon. Ba-bam, the end of book one. Yay! So I wanted to ask before we get into some overall questions, you know, any characters stick out to you in these couple episodes and you know did you maybe learn anything i think the winner for me is ang but katara super close second <laughs> i chose ang because he really really tried to apply himself in everything he yeah. went and attacked the ships. He jumped into the spirit world, almost got his face stolen. He tried to convince Zhao to release the moon spirit. He then turned into a spirit <laughs> <laughs> and was able to drive away most of the Fire Nation. He yeah. did a lot in this episode. He, he worked his ass off. He definitely did his duty as an avatar this time around. And I know that he wanted to help defend the city this time because he didn't get to for his own city. I agree with you. I think Aang is probably the star these two episodes, but I will probably have like a little bonus star for Princess Yue. Mm. She restored balance to the world by ascending and becoming the moon spirit. Mm -hmm. So yeah. without her help, I think this could have all not ended the way we wanted it to. Quickly, moving on, I wanted to ask you, since we're at the end of season one, book one, some kind of like overall series questions. All right. I'll probably answer some of these too. From episode one until now, since you've never seen it before, how do you feel about the series? You know, do you like it? Do you love it? <laughs> I like it a lot. I feel like Love is coming soon. <laughs> I love some of the episodes. I think like series wise, I have yet yeah. to like love it, love it. But I like it mm -hmm. a lot. You know, I was fighting the urge to binge this. And thankfully, I have some self-control. Thankfully. But yeah, I, I just really appreciate all of the world building, every single detail, drawing from mm -hmm. real life inspiration really helps uh, make everything feel more relatable and grounded. And I love that our characters, at least the main ones, aren't just black and white, simple characters. There's a lot of layers to discover going forward. So I'm looking forward to learning about them and having their pasts unfold as well. I love the adult themes that are subtly sprinkled throughout the series and being introduced to kids in a digestible way. Yeah, I, f I feel like the show just keeps getting better and better with each episode. There's not that many filler episodes like some other shows, but to me, it kind of works because it's nice to have a break from the more intense episodes. Yeah, I kind of I share the same sentiment. Out of curiosity, what is something that hasn't worked for you? What's kept that like a lot from turning into love so far? I think one thing that bothers me are some of the plot holes and how things are resolved very, very conveniently. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, yeah. I honestly, I probably share the same sentiment as you, especially now. Um, obviously, I love the show. Mm -hmm. And really quickly, let's talk about our character's journey from episode one to 20. For me, 
I love seeing Aang break through his trauma and kind of face his avatar hood. I love that he got a second chance to save the Water Tribe, mm-hmm. uh, like the people of the Water Tribe. Yes, Aang went from carefree child to taking things way more seriously as the avatar and just braving a lot of the pressure to save the world. No big deal, right? Yeah, he got to face the trauma from the past. And that's a lot for a 12 year old. I love seeing Katara grow into a powerful waterbender. She's always been strong. And I feel like now her bending has caught up to her personality. Mm -hmm. And for her brother Sokka, he started off as a basically a woman hater. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Not woman hater. He's he he was not a woman respecter. And now. (laughs) No, he loves um, women. Yeah. Yeah. He knows now that there are women as strong as him and stronger. And I'm just happy that he's grown up a bit. Yeah. Just thinking back to the two of them in episode one in that little fishing boat, they have... We've come so far. Yes, they have come so far. I think like Katara's journey, she probably, in my opinion, actually made more progress than Aang because she started from learning and eventually mastering the waterbending where Aang is just kind of like raw power and doesn't really have to try that hard. And then Sokka has learned his lesson on sexism many times. (laughs) I hope it sticks. Yep. Yeah. And he's really shown skills in battle tactics and building explosions and stuff like that. So I, I hope to see more of that version of Sokka. Same. And finally, Zuko. I feel like We've learned so much about him and it's really more of our perception of him than his growth. I feel like I think understanding him and reaching that level is just so interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't say he grew. Right. Uh, But, you know, when we first meet him, he's just a one noted spoiled prince. And now we know he's got a dark past and a reasonable motive to capture Aang. Yeah, he is highly capable and deep down. I I think he's a good person, but had terrible influences growing up. Yeah, you don't say. Do you have a favorite episode from book one? Mm, Season finale came close because it was so very jam-packed with everything. Yeah. But my favorite episode of book one remains... Episode 18, The Waterbending Master. Ooh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Reason is that one really spoke to me as a woman. And I think it was such an important lesson to take away. And especially if kids are watching, it's a great way to start them thinking about how to stand up for themselves. And I thought Katara's scene of refusing to apologize to Master Paku and then fighting him is such a powerful moment and it's going to stick with me for a very long time and I hope it sticks with others as well. What about you? Do you have like a favorite episode? Uh, I do. Again, I think the finale came close. You know, we love finales. Oh, so yours isn't the finale either? No, Uh, I love the finale because it's, You said it has everything, right? You said Mm -hmm. it at the top of this episode. But I feel like something that struck me was episode 12, The Storm. Mm. We got to learn a little bit more about Aang's backstory and Zuko's at the same time. And the way they told their stories 
like the way they chose to share the backstories with us in parallel was very interesting. I don't know. I just, it helped me understand both of these characters so much more. Oh, I, I love that episode too. Yeah. Did book one surprise you in any way? Yes. Uh, just how many adult themes they can fit in was <laughs> yeah. incredible. I mean, I keep saying that it's like a show that kids watch and stuff like that, but honestly, it's for all ages. Yeah, just to name a few, uh, obviously the issues around sexism and they touched on oppression and the different choices that victims of war would make, like Sokka and Katara losing their mother, but stayed strong and good. Haru suppressing his earthbending powers because of fear. Jet taking revenge to an extreme where it doesn't matter who gets hurt anymore. And then refugees that had no choice but to serve the enemy in order to survive. I, I think that is just really, really great that they showed that victims don't all look the same. Yeah, I, I agree. They also touch on childhood trauma with Zuko, who obviously has been affected by a very toxic environment uh, with a terrible <laughs> father who calls him weak for having a heart. Yeah. And uh, at the end, we learned that he's constantly compared to his perfect sister, yet all he Yikes. wants is acceptance from his father. Last but not least, Aang's trauma of having his childhood stripped away and then... He has intense survivor's guilt. And it's just like these kind of topics don't really, I feel we don't really talk to younger audiences about usually. Yeah. And they have done so in a way where it's just so tastefully woven into the story where it's not so on the nose. It's like a, if you know, you know, situation. Yeah, that's something I appreciate about the show, especially on a second viewing. Now having the vocabulary to talk about some of these things, mm-hmm. like you're talking about it. Because before as a kid, I think I might have like noticed those themes. I just couldn't put words to it. Mm-hmm. And so now watching it again as an adult, I'm better equipped to understand everything that this show is going for, which I appreciate. Yeah, really great job. Lastly, as a creative person, you know, working in the entertainment industry, I yeah. wanted to know... This is just like a little fun question. If you could change something in book one, what would it be? I sort of mentioned it earlier where I wanted things to be less convenient. <laughs> so there's that. But maybe I would have loved for them to get to the Northern Water Tribe sooner. <laughs> is there anything that you would want to change? Um, I think for me, I always love a larger narrative. And even though I think the one-off stories are fun, I think I would like it if each episode was like directly more acknowledgement of the previous episode. Mm, They did that for some of the episodes, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, me too. I'd like one last trivia to send off book one. Okay. (laughs) Koizilla. I don't know why I was waiting. I, I don't know why... I was waiting for you to respond. So Koizilla is actually bears a very strong resemblance to the Nightwalker from Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. <gasps> I see it. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. So Except they def- it's a koi. Yep. <laughs> but they definitely drew inspiration from Hayao Miyazaki and kind of like nature fighting back. 
I suppose. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I cannot unsee it now. <laughs> I know. When I found that out, I was like, wait a minute. That's like, that's it basically. That That's, that's it. pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Finally, we have a blank slate of our predictions right now. I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, what do you think is going to happen next? Where would you like to go? Where do you think they're going to go? What kind of things would you like to see explored? Okay. So I think, <laughs> I think that Master Paku is going to reunite with Grand Grand. <laughs> <laughs> like he says he is. Well, he said he's going to go to the South Pole. That's true. So. That's true. He, yeah. Maybe yeah. he has intentions otherwise. We'll find out. Anyway, in all seriousness, I hope we're heading to some more Earth bending because Aang has air bending down and water bending. I guess next is Earth because you would be correct. Ooh. That is next on the Avatar cycle, so that's not really a spoiler. Well, I mean, like I know that fire. He's gonna learn last because PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. But I want to see more spirit stuff. Like this last episode really introduced the powers of the spirits and how they're not to be fucked with. So I really want to see more of that. Of course, with a little teaser of Zuko's sister, she's going to probably be the new big bad. And Mm. I'm sure she's coming to fuck some shit up. (laughs) (laughs) And Zuko is going to be actually intimidated by her, unlike Zhao and... There will be some very intense competition, I'm sure, to get Aang because they clearly hate each other. So looking forward to some sibling rivalry happening. Fun, fun. And finally, that is a wrap on episode 10. We made it. We made it. Uh, Thank you for joining me. (laughs) And definitely didn't trick you into doing this. If you had as much fun as we did, please support us by rating and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can reach us at rewatchthispod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at rewatchthispod. Thanks to our producer, Calvin, for all your help. And thank you for listening in and joining us on Addy's first journey through the world of Avatar The Last Airbender. Book one! We hope you can join us next time where we have a very special episode uh, where Addie and I begrudgingly watch the live action version that I've been avoiding for most of my life. Wait, you've never seen it? I've never seen it. Oh my God. I've only heard Why are you smiling? Stop process. smiling. This is not a smiling movie. <laughs> Until then, that's Jason. That's Addie. And this has been... Rewatch This. Yay, we made it. <laughs>